Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we have another visitor from Maine, getting lots of people from Maine coming down, which is kind of nice because they're willing to drive down to us and sit and actually record with us in person, which is kind of cool. But today we had Chip Terry, who is the CEO and founder of Blue Trace, which was formerly Oyster Tracker. It's going to be something that I think is probably going to be very interesting to our listeners who are involved in shellfish farming. Or, or just technology within the seafood industry as a whole. Yeah, traceability is something that we bring up quite a bit. And this is a pretty interesting solution to a lot of the issues that people are facing. So make sure you enjoy this conversation with Chip. But before we get into it, we want to always remind everybody to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get every new episode delivered directly to your device as soon as it's available. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Aquademia. A pod. If you want to contact us, a few ways you can do that. You can send us an email, podcast at globalseafood.org, or you can fill out a contact us form, which is located on globalseafood.org. Go to the top of the homepage, you'll see an Aquademia podcast section. And while you're doing all of those things, you might as well leave us a rating or review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on if you're enjoying the show. And before we start, I just want to say, Maddie, we're glad you're back. I know. I feel like it's been such a long time since I've been on an episode. It's it really good to be back. I've missed it. I don't even know who you are anymore. Maddie is like <laughs> the busiest person at GSA. She's, it's yes. really hard to, to pin her down. She's actually wearing a neck brace because she wears so many hats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. She has to duck when she comes through the door because her hat's <laughs> And I'm pretty short, so like that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're glad Maddie's back. We're glad that you are back to listen to the show. And uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. And we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down with Chip Terry today, who is the CEO and co-founder of Blue Trace, which is something that I think a lot of our listeners are going to be excited to hear about, especially our shellfish farmers in the audience. Oh, we're about to make your lives a whole lot easier. So uh, Chip came down from Maine, right? I did. How yep. was the trip? Very easy. Yeah. Beautiful this time of year. Awesome. So Chip came down to talk to us about Blue Trace, which was formerly named Oyster Tracker, and it's an awesome little piece of technology that is super helpful to oyster farmers. So Chip, before we get into that, let's talk about you. The most important thing. Uh, I'd love to talk about me. Everyone my my loves kids will never listen to it, but I'm happy to talk about me. Um, so let's see. Who who are you? Where'd you, where'd you come from? Let's give, uh, give a little quick backstory so people know who we're talking to. Sounds good. Born and raised on the coast of Maine, down east near uh, Bar Harbor. That'd be the place that people mostly would know. Um, little towns called Southwest Harbor and Castine. Um, grew up, uh, you know, next to a lot of people in the fishing industry, um, sort of knew that world growing up, but I of course went to college in Boston and moved into the technology industry. Mm -hmm. Where'd you go in Boston? I went to Tufts university in Boston. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, nice. and then I ended up going and getting a PhD in American history thinking I was going to be a college professor. Wow. Um, a little which, different. Uh, yeah. And then I took a total right turn. I ended up in the technology world. I was teaching for Princeton Review, the test prep, LSAT, GMAT, SAT prep classes. Um, and they opened a software office in Boston. And before I'd even finished my PhD, I was the product manager um, for their CD-ROMs at that point. They were just transitioning to the web. 
And uh, I've never looked back. I've been at a lot of different startups. You're going to have to put like the definition of a CD-ROM probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I, don't think, I think our listeners are, are of a demographic that will know. No, that's true. Yeah. And for our young yeah. listeners. Yeah. That, those will be I even yeah. know what a CD-ROM yeah. is. Oh, so. okay. okay. If Maddie knows right. the rope. <laughs> so how did you end up in seafood? How did you get to do, we, we talked yeah. about this. There's so many people that we yeah. have on the show that get, they never planned to be in seafood. They just yeah. got seduced by it and then they didn't yeah. leave. Yeah. So, so I'd been at a bunch of different startups in Boston. The last one had sold to Tesco, the big British retailer. So I spent mm-hmm. about five or six years managing a team of about 50 engineers in London from here. Um, wow. So I would commute one week a month to London and yeah. I'd spend the other three weeks getting up super early in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, and it was really fun for about the first week. And then after that, it was a pain in the neck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but Pretty uh, cool the first few trips. And then yeah. it's like, dang it, it's yeah. again. Uh, you know, when you get to know, of, uh, you know everybody on the airline, they're like, oh, welcome back. <laughs> yeah. you're like, you know, you've got a problem. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, you know, my golden handcuffs ended. Um, I quit a week later uh, and moved the family back to Maine um, to sort of figure out what I was going to do when I grow up. In the meantime, I had a couple of friends who'd started oyster farms. Um, one of them said, Hey, it'd be great if you buy into our farm. Uh, so what, what just timestamp, what year roughly are, are we we're talking about, about? Uh, about six years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause when you say oyster farming, especially yeah. in Maine, I'm wondering, cause it's relatively a, a new industry. You can correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. I just wonder. Yeah. It is. And this is what's the fascinating thing. I'd sort of watched it grow up with these friends mm-hmm. who, you know, I'd known for years and they'd been lobstermen, um, yeah. and they'd taken a retraining class at the university of Maine, um, to learn how to be oyster farmers. It really been a side hustle for about 10 years um, where they, they just, you know, have a few bags in the water. They're growing a very small amount. Um, yeah. But every year you can see it getting a little bit bigger. Yeah. I feel yeah. like shellfish farming is one of those things that you could do uh, as more of a side thing. Like mm. something like salmon farming or another yeah. species, you kind of got to go all in. But shellfish farming, you can kind of start off as kind of like, this is a little side thing. You know, I got some bags out. I'll go out on the yeah. weekends and check them. And yeah, Well, in our proximity... Sorry to keep yeah. cutting you off. This is about you, not yeah. about us. But <laughs> I want to get this out there because any of our our subscribers or our, our consistent listeners will know that just because of our office location here in Portsmouth being so close to Maine, we've had other Maine guests. And a lot of the, the, the theme that we've we've had really is these wild fishermen who have, you use the word side hustle, but in a way it's it's how do you, make, as the industry has shifted and changed a little bit and aquaculture has become very prominent in Maine, you're seeing a lot of these lobstermen also doing aquaculture, uh, whether it's shellfish or, or something. Yeah, they're else picking it up for like supplemental income yeah, during yeah. the off season. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and what you realize following these same friends, you know, they all, you know, they get bigger and bigger and all of a sudden they're hiring five or six employees. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shipping all over the country, even to places like the French Laundry in California. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, you know, they put two kids, you know, with the, my guy is my best friend who put two kids through college, um, you know, doing this. He, you know, and, and to me as a kid who grew up in Maine, I'm used to economic depression in rural Maine. Like this is not a place where you've seen this kind of economic development where somebody, a blue collar guy is starting a business He's hiring a bunch of people, creating jobs. He's putting his kids through college. He's paying off his house. He's doing all the stuff that's amazing to see in an environment also that is great for, you know, that an industry that's great for the environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you don't usually see that happen. Um, and so that's how I sort of got into this. Uh, you know, I sort of got dragged into this. And, you know, I ended up not buying into his farm, mostly because I'm too old to be lifting bags and I really have no skill in that. <laughs> um, but I'm like, you know, talking to him, he's like, you know, just realizing what he's doing in terms of management of the farm, because this becomes essentially a big data problem. 
Right. Um, well, and, um, and traceability is yeah. more constant, and more a constant struggle. I don't want to say struggle. It's a priority. It's a yeah. topic that it's being demanded. Is we need always to figure it out. yeah. Yeah. There's always something that needs to be figured out with traceability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch these guys, and they literally like, you know, I got a hundred bags, and I gotta have them on the truck by seven a.m. in Bangor. Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, I've harvested them by 5 a.m., but I've got to spend now 25 minutes writing out tags by hand. Hopefully, I get it right. Um, then I got to put them on the truck. I got to write the log. I got to send the invoice. I got to do all this paperwork that is just, they hate it, first of all. They're right. not really very good at it. They've got cold <laughs> hands. They don't really have a location to do it. Uh, so they're doing it in the back of their truck or wherever they are. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking at this saying, well, this is something that's been solved. Computers can do this kind of stuff. Right. Um, they yeah. can make you a whole lot more efficient. So, so that's Insert how I ended CD-ROM. up. <laughs> <laughs> Insert CD-ROM. Yeah, the CD-ROM uh, did not come with this. Uh, um, Enter Oyster Tracker. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so I started Oyster Tracker and I, you know, I basically, you know, as a thing for the friend here, I was like, you know, I think we can help you manage your farm, manage the day-to-day operations of your farm. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, I wonder if anybody else needs this. Um, and I sort of just doing it as a, you know, not even a side hustle, just sort of a fun project to take on. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, sent a note to the East Coast Shellfish Growers uh, Association listserv. Um, where a lot of people with AOL addresses are on that list. Uh, <laughs> I was an AOL user until like three years ago. All right. Uh, we won't tell anybody that. Yeah, um, yeah Maddie, you're definitely we're editing that out. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if you should be proud of that. Or, I know. I'm not sure. Now you can almost be proud of it. So retro. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, I, you know, I sent out this note saying, you know, I'm doing this project for a friend. Is anybody else interested? I had 35 farmers call me back within a day. Wow. Um, well, it's really, a serious, not a problem, but it's a serious it, annoyance that you're addressing that you yeah. can help make things so much easier so yeah i mean that that was the net of it as you looked at it and you're like okay we can you know there's a big demand and and it got me exploring the whole industry because i really you know i knew this little portion of maine and mm-hmm. i really know a little bit off of penobscot bay in maine i don't even know <laughs> all of maine yeah um and so i had no idea about this industry and what had happened and what i realized in exploring it is you know what had happened in my little corner of penobscot bay was actually a much broader trend so if you look at the farms in Maine, when I was growing up in Maine, there were maybe three or four farms. There was Mook Seafood and one or two others that were sort of figuring it out. Yep. But they were all small scale, um, barely making it. Now there's 150 farms in Maine and another 150 in permitting. And wow. many of them are full-time, you know, going concerns, not just side hustles. Um, and they're, they're doing huge scale. And then if you take a step back even further and you look at up and down every coast in the U.S., it's almost exactly the same story. So you go down to Maryland or Delaware, you see this happening. The Gulf Coast of Florida, huge operations all of a sudden going in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington State. And uh, not just oysters, all different not, types of species. All the different shellfish. types of species. Oysters has been sort of the, the, you know, the starter species. Um, and then people have moved in, you know, clams is big, mm-hmm. mussels is big. Yeah. Mussels tends to be more capital intensive. So yeah. um, that's, uh, you know, tends to be a bigger operation. Clams tends to require, you know, a... a um, good tidal zone, which not everybody has. Right. Um, but oysters is pretty easy for most waterways. Um, and they're growing the exact same product from, you know, all the way down in Texas, all the way up to Prince Edward Island or even Newfoundland now. Um, so if you take a step back and say, what's happening in the U.S.? Well, the number of farms is growing dramatically. You know, mm-hmm. every state has some stat of, you know, 200% year-over-year growth and all, you know, and yeah. all sorts of things are going on. And then you look, you know, internationally. And you see the same thing happening. I was just last week, I was up in Maritime Canada 
Um, and you see it on you know the northern coast of New Brunswick or up in Prince Edward Island. Mm-hmm. You know, huge numbers of farms going in British Columbia, huge number. And then you know, um, I love to travel. Uh, one of the things that you know gets me excited about this is being able to go to amazing places, not having so, to just go to the same place in London. Yeah, over and over again every month. Again. <laughs> yeah, so like instead, of, yeah, I went over to Ireland. Uh, you know, we a couple of clients mm. in Ireland. Ireland yeah. turns out to have huge. They don't eat oysters usually in Ireland. <laughs> they eat potatoes, <laughs> but <laughs> they farm a lot of oysters, um, and then they export them to France, and they sit in the water in France for twenty one days, I think, and then they become French oysters. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, there's a huge secrets out, guys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Secrets out. Um, but uh, we know what you're doing uh, over there. Um, and then even like you know, down in the Mediterranean on southern France, I went to visit a farm there. Um, Beautiful and just spectacular. To, you know, by the way, if you ever get a chance to go either to the coast of Ireland or to southern France, go. Um, they're both spectacular spots. But yeah, we'd love to go. Um, in southern <laughs> France, they have these big trellises they put out in the water, oh, and cool. they have these solar panels on top that run little engines. And they attach every oyster to a piece of string, basically a rope. Yep. And they lift the rope in and out of the water all day long. Wow. Because um, they don't That's really cool. have good tides, so they're yep. creating their yep. tide. Yep. Yep. Wow. Um, that is so cool. So it is just, yeah, like the innovation in this sector is amazing. That's what we, we've been saying that for the last couple of years. It's, mm. it's amazing how open this industry is to new technologies and innovation. It's, and they're just... Yeah. They see a they see a problem and they just dive in headfirst and try to figure out a way to to solve it, which is yeah. just really it's it's cool to be part of that industry. It is mean. it's so awesome, and I love that as a guy who's sort of been in the innovation world right. for a long yeah, time. Yeah. I'm like, this is because you know I look at it and say, what changed? Why did oyster farming take off in the last ten years um, and not twenty or thirty years ago? What what's happened? And so, you know, my thesis is there's a convergence of factors. One of which is hatcheries got a lot better. So mm-hmm. places like the Virginia Institute of Marine Sciences, Rutgers, University of Maine, whole bunch of- And that university. was a big hang up for shellfish farms for a Huge. while, trying to figure yeah. out how to yeah. successfully have a hatchery that will produce enough yeah. seed. Consistency yeah. that's disease resistant, that grows well. You know, there's triploid and diploid. I mean, go into that. But there's basically, you get these hatcheries that can produce a consistent seed. So most uh, oyster farmers now will buy from a hatchery mm-hmm. um, and they will buy it at you know, anywhere between two milliliters and six milliliters and put it on their farm at that point. So that's, that's the first step is you got to get the hatcheries. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you also have to have the gear. Um, mm-hmm. So you get better bags, you get companies like SEPA or Oyster Grow or Ketchum um, that are producing the right gear at the right price point. So you don't have to go invent your own gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then wild fisheries, you know, up and down the coast, wild fisheries have been strained. Um, and there's an over, you know, too much overfishing as the, you know, fishing has got more efficient, you need less people fishing. And so, you know, using Florida as an example, you know, huge wild oyster harvest for generations, right? Um, that was sort of known two or three years ago, they closed the, uh, the oyster farming or oyster, uh, wild harvest for the next 10 years. It's just overfished the deep horizons, water, uh, oil spill and whatnot. Mm, yeah. For um, 10 years. And so basically, you know. Anybody who wants to be in shellfish in Florida is probably in aquaculture. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to adapt, right? You got to adapt. And, you know, it's the same with my story of my friend up in Maine who's like, you know, lobsterman, um, but it's yeah. getting harder and harder to get a license and to make a living. You know, this year it's been great, but many years it's not been great. Um, and so, you know, being able to move into this. Um, and then the third is the states and, you know, and governments of very all sorts have realized this is a great economic development. 
Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges that not only the U.S. but globally has been a challenge is rural economic development. That we've all congregated in the cities, and yeah. even with COVID, we're all still slowly getting our way back to the cities. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you haven't had real economic development in rural waterfront communities. Um, and this is actually a really good opportunity to do that. And coupled with that, the environmental impact is yeah positive. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, so you look it's, at the, it's great for the economy and the environment. Yeah. So like the whole, you know, it's just this constellation of factors that have led to this amazing uptake that, you know, you see globally now. Um, and, uh, you know, Baja Peninsula of uh, Mexico, huge number of oyster farms and gooey duck farms going in there. Gooey duck, by the way, don't um, don't get me started on gooey duck. No, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an episode which we can link where we talk about seafood. Would you try it? Uh, it was top ten. <laughs> Remember that? It wasn't gooey yeah, duck part of that. Yes. Or not? It was I don't know if that was part of it. Was uh, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> gooey ducks are huge. They're in, 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 yes, physically they're huge. We, yeah. we started they're off, also very popular. We yeah. started off with tame. So I think we started with gooey duck and then we went to crazy. Yeah, yeah. it got pretty nasty. Yeah. <laughs> tube worms yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about Oyster Tracker. Yeah. And so, food trace. So yeah, so we started out, you know, helping oyster farms. Um, and that's where we started. And one of our most successful uh, solutions was this tagging solution for oyster farms. So for those of you guys who don't know the regulations, there's a thing called the uh, NSSP Model Ordinance, National Shellfish Sanitation Program Model Ordinance endorsed by the FDA. It's a public-private partnership. They produce a model ordinance, which pretty much every state adopts uh, with some variations. Key to that is uh, traceability of shellfish because shellfish and particularly oysters tend to get people sick if they're mishandled. If they're mm-hmm. properly handled, then people don't get sick. Yeah. You know, and I want to be clear, the vast, vast majority of people never get sick from eating oysters. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, something bad yeah. happens. But there's also the risk with shellfish, something like biotoxins, which is not yeah. due to mishandling. It's just something that can occur in the ocean. Yeah. But it's biotoxins can't, like, you can't cook them out, right? It's not like salmonella where, like, you cook it and you're safe. You yeah. can't do that. It's always going to be really, really um, toxic to humans. So, like, if there's a biotoxin that's identified... You need to know all of the shellfish that was harvested in that area at a certain time frame, where it went, and you got to get it exactly away from people as soon as possible. So it's like the traceability for shellfish, particularly that particularly is mostly with mussels, I believe, but um, it's a really, really big deal. It's, it's a huge deal. Yeah. And so, you know, every shellfish operation, uh, whether wild harvest or aquaculture, is required to basically put a tag on every bag, box, container of uh, shellfish as it leaves the water um, that has the date, the time, the area of harvest, um, their certification number because they have to be certified. And that makes sure that the water's open, that you mm-hmm. don't have biotax, you don't have runoff, yep, you yep. don't have red tide, all the things that happen. Okay. Um, and then as it shows up at the dealer, the dealer has to record the time and the temperature because Time and temperature is actually probably the most important metric for most farms, which is there's a thing called Vibrio. Uh, and there's a couple mm-hmm. different Vibrio bacteria out there. And it's the number one reason that people get sick. And in most cases, it'll be just sort of diarrhea for a day or two and be uncomfortable if it won't do. Um, but, you know, for people who are immunocompromised or others, it can be much more serious. But uh, Vibrio is um, present in pretty much all of our waterways. Um, it's a naturally occurring salt-tolerant bacterium. Um, and at 90 degrees, it doubles every hour. So, you know, in most cases, well below the level that would matter. Right. But if you have, you know, your shellfish out of the uh, in the heat of the day for an hour or two, it right. can get or bad. Or the transport quickly. water, if you have it in transport, that's not 
Yeah, exactly. So you have, you know, examples, cool. you know, the, the classic example was, I think it was 10 or 12 years ago, there was a truck driving from somewhere in the South, I think New Orleans up to Tennessee. And, you know, the truck driver does what some people will do occasionally, which is stop at a bar, turn <laughs> off the truck and go inside and spend the night. <laughs> uh, nice hot summer. Then yeah. turn the truck back on, cool it back down and drop them off. And a whole bunch of people got sick of that. Yeah. Um, and tracing that back was a challenge. Right. So what the regulations require is you attach this tag as you harvest, put it in a log, file that with the state. As it shows up at the dealer, usually like an hour later, that dealer takes that tag off, puts their own tag back on, um, again, does a receiving log and a shipping log. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. an average uh, shellfish will often go through two to five or six steps between the time wow. it leaves the farm and the time it ends up on your table. Because it's just, you know, there are people that do the sort of collection of shellfish yeah. and then the steps <laughs> to get it to, say, from, you know, the coast of Maine to Boston to Atlanta to a restaurant in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a huge, you know, long chain that, you know, it's this cold chain that has to happen. And so that's, you know, where we ended up is, you know, helping that cold chain. And so what, you know, what we do, a lot of what we do is, you know, starting with that harvest so the harvester uh writes out the tag instead yeah. of that we you know if you've gotten a parking ticket recently and you've watched them print out the ticket yeah. <laughs> off their hip we effectively did the same thing yeah print out your shellfish tag from your phone um we create the log automatically it's all stored in the cloud so that you don't lose it if your phone goes overboard you don't have to worry about your handwriting <laughs> and probably you know, happens a lot um in you know mid-february trying to write a tag out uh, when it's when your you hands know, are numb <laughs> your hands are numb and they're wet and, yeah um so all that makes it really easy for that harvester to sort of comply with the regulations to print out their tags all that kind of stuff but you've also put a qr code at the bottom of that tag for, and, is that for receiving and so the receiving company can then just scan it in Take all that data. They don't have to look at the handwriting, and try to decipher That's what this awesome. guy wrote. Yeah. And they can then you know, put their own tag on yep. um, and it can go all the way down the chain that way. That's and awesome. here's one of the amazing things about cloud computing or cloud storage is essentially it's unlimited. So, you know, there's a key data points that you need for what they call key data elements, KDEs, um, which you need for all these critical tracking events. Mm -hmm. um, but they're pretty, you know, from a data perspective, they're very small. Um, so we can basically add anything else we want. So if a and be able to access all that history because... exactly. So we call it Compliance Plus, which mm -hmm. is we're going to help you comply, but we're also going to give you a marketing channel because yeah. that uh, you know that tag ends up at that shucker who wants to know a little bit about you know why is Norm Vega different than Bagaduce oysters? Um, oh. And they can scan the tag, they can meet the farmer, they can learn about how they grow this product, they can have pictures of the location. That's amazing. Tasty yeah, that, notes. That's not dissimilar from like the ideal fish tag we mm -hmm. we yeah. spoke with people who um at a yeah. indoor recirculating farm in yeah. connecticut it's actually our most popular episode is when we spoke with them. i've listened to that episode yeah and they yeah so so then you know they've yeah. talked about their their gill tags where yeah. they have qr codes and you can kind of see the history of the fish only this is a little bit more this being able to like see the the farmer and like see pictures and stuff from where it comes mm -hmm. from is is pretty cool yeah, neat. there's some fantastic videos on Blue Trace website, blue-trace.com. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and it's not bluetrace.com, blue-trace. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll put a link, so yeah, yeah we'll th that'll be in our show notes. But there's some really good videos in some of the different sections of that, um, particularly the testimonial section. You can really see how it's been impacting these farmers, and they're just so stoked to not have to write out these labels. <laughs> and it really is. It's cool. Like it prints on waterproof paper, mm -hmm. so they can literally have this little printer like on their boat 
and just print it out in real time. It's pretty cool. I don't know. This is a really bad idea on podcast, but here's show and tell. I brought a printer with me. (laughs) And it's all our listeners, take a look at this. (laughs) (laughs) But it literally fits in the palm of your hand. Um, It works just like a you know POS terminal printer. Um, It just prints out tags, um, and it works on Bluetooth. Yeah, Um, awesome. And that's the yeah. That's what. What's um, the battery life for that thing? About two days. Wow, that's awesome. And supposedly you can drop it from eight feet and it won't get damaged. I'm telling you. I haven't tried that. But shellfish farmers, <laughs> shellfish farmers, look into this. This is like, this is huge. Yeah. This is really, yeah. I mean, this is something. It's impressive. Yeah. It's, you know, and, you know, you want some of the challenges. Um, supply chain, you mentioned that. The supply chain for printers and papers is totally bottled up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mm. we, we started with these little TSC printers. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, about six months in, somebody said, oh, you can't get any more TSC printers for the next eight months. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so we had to go scramble. We tried a whole, we tried a whole bunch of different brands. We went back to Zebra. We you know, became a reseller of Zebra, so we have an alternative So this is Zebra. not something that you needed to, like, develop and, like, kind of no, we're, invent. We're cus- yeah, we're it, using It exists, all- and you have the software that- Yeah, we have the gotcha. software to yeah. power it. Um, gotcha. Um, yeah, we don't need Genius. to be a printer company. No, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask, actually, is like, is this something that you needed to kind of like invent and develop and design and, and yeah, have so- all like, you know, prototypes and all this stuff? But yeah. the technology exists. You just had to create the proper- We had to proper- package it together. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's been the challenge, just trying to figure out, I've learned a heck of a lot more about paper than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> turns out there's a lot of- different papers yeah um and yeah we're just moving into adhesive so you can stick things on the side of a box turns out there's about 40 different types of adhesive that are used (laughs) on stickers depending on whether you're wet wax freezing uh salt water fresh water um they're just learning all of these things that like makes so much sense though (laughs) (laughs) different kinds of adhesive we're not even talking about the paper no just the adhesive on the back of the dang paper wow so we've been literally like i yeah it was up in uh, ellsworth uh maine and, uh, you know, there's a big muscle farmer up there and they do these big wet boxes uh, that are, you know, 900 pounds and they're shipping it down to Philadelphia. And so I'm literally like, they're sticking different pieces of adhesive on there with my phone number on it and say, can you call me when this arrives, if it arrives? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just to see if it'll fall off in transportation. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, because if it falls off in transportation, that's a big problem. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's sure. how you figure, you know, you do all your research, but then it's... You yeah. got to do the field studies, right? To make yeah. sure that it actually works. Yeah, this, exactly. I mean, these are the things you don't think of. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's those little things that make all the difference. Yeah. Um, um, so started out with just oysters. Yep. And Oyster then, tracker, it was called. Yep. And uh, we rapidly realized that we were broader than oysters. Yeah. Um, these traceability rules apply to all shellfish. So it makes sense for mussels, for clams, for gooey duck, for, uh, you know, um, whatever. And so we've, uh, you know, we've renamed ourselves to Blue Trace for that reason. Um, and uh, we've, you know, rapidly expanded into other uh, parts. Is anyone else doing this? You know, there's, people are doing various parts of it. Yeah. There's big ERP companies like uh, Microsoft and IBM, et cetera, that do sort of food traceability solutions. Yeah. They're designed for the Cisco's of the world. Right. Yeah, they're designed right. for companies that can afford to spend $2 million on a computer system and, and you're hire here three farmers. people. Um, yep. And none of our farmers are going to be able to, be able to do that. Yeah. So those that's sort of the, the area you go. I mean, I was just at a major distributor the other day. They literally said they spent $2 million on a uh, computer system. They turned it on, and three days later, it was working so poorly, they turned it off, and that was six months ago. Oh, my God. And Jeez. that happens. I've heard story variations of that story all the time. 
Wow. Because, you know, you're in the seafood industry, not in the technology industry. It's not even technology adjacent industry. Mm. <laughs> this yeah. is not no. like, you know, something where you're used to spending a lot of time on computers and you can figure these things out. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are... They want to focus on growing shellfish. They want to grow shellfish. If you've got seafood moving through your plant, you don't want to sit in there. Right. You, mm-hmm. We need it in and out in the same day. Yep. You do right. not want something that's going to sit there on your floor while you figure out the computer system and figure out how to print out labels and all the other stuff. And especially with shellfish... It's so specific and the things that you're tracking are so unique to shellfish that it would be difficult to take like a box brand and apply that to the tech that you're trying to use. Exactly. So, you know, if you if you were super tech savvy and you could, you know, had time to figure this all out, you probably could figure it out. Right. But most companies aren't that and your time's better spent elsewhere. Yeah. But you know, what's also been interesting is what's happening in the regulations. So um, the regulations are pretty strong today in shellfish, but they're actually becoming stronger and they're getting broader. So most notably, um, the Food Safety Modernization Act. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have followed this. Yeah. Uh, so the Food Safety Modernization Act was passed 10, 12 years ago, um, and it's you know all around food safety. It basically gives the FDA regulatory um, uh, uh, oversight of the food safety and supply chains. Um, they passed a new update of that, the new era in food safety, a couple of years ago, and they've just been publishing the rules. Um, and what that's basically mandating is a few things, but you know, key to it is digital traceability. Um, so you know, when the inspector shows up, you have to be able to give them a spreadsheet of your traceability information within 24 hours, which my guess right now is somewhere around 70 to 80% of harvesters and distributors would have trouble complying yeah, with Yeah, that's it. hard to do. Mm. Um, that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, so if that happened today, people would be typing into a spreadsheet for hours on end, yeah. hoping to get under that 24-hour window. We only have 24 hours. We have a lot yeah. to do. Um, and so that's a key part of it. The other key part of it is they're taking what are essentially the regulations for shellfish and expanding to pretty much all of seafood, except mm. for scallops and catfish for some reason. <laughs> um, but uh, throw a dart. <laughs> but uh, um, and to their credit, what they did is they went and looked at food safety statistics over the last twenty years and said what products have gotten people sick, and it's yep. it's what you'd expect: it's lettuce, it's uh, eggs, it's um, butter. Lettuce, okay, yeah, romaine lettuce uh, had a romaine lettuce and hell so, of a time a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, and so they basically said hey, these are the you know, the critical foods that we need to have better traceability and better visibility onto, and so. That you know, rule is not in effect yet, but it's coming. Um, and people are freaking out. And people are just starting to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> Most people haven't paid any attention. They're like, yeah, that's some FDA rule. I'll deal with it when it comes out. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll deal with it when I get my first, yeah, knock, first on the knock on the door. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, and they'll be, you know, they'll be reasonable in terms of time and implementation yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I, you know, I don't want to leave anybody with the impression that by, you know, tomorrow you better have digital traceability. But so did this, did the um, Food Safety Modernization Act prompt any? changes or updates to what you guys are doing? Or is it just kind of like, hey, we, we're ready for this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sort of put us in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what we're, you know, what we've been doing is accelerating our development. Um, so we've hired more people and whatnot. Um, we also were very fortunate to get a grant from NOAA um, so oh, the yeah, National nice. Oceanographic Atmospheric Administration. That's they, great. They do what's called an SBIR grant. Um, and so for our tied to table traceability and marketing system, we got a grant. We got one uh, last year, what's called a phase one, uh, which about 10 to 15% of people who apply get it. 
And then uh, phase two, which is of those people who've gotten phase one, about 30% get phase two. And we just got phase two. Nice. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, um, Feeling good. That, that has a lot to do with my team and not me. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, who, who's here to represent the team? So. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we've um, so we've hired more developers. We just hired our first West Coast rep. Uh, we've got oh, a guy wow. down in Virginia. We've got, you know, um, we've really expanded from this small little thing in Maine. That's awesome. To being, you know, a, a global uh, operation now. Pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you're in a tiny little New England town. And mm. the impact that you can have around the world. We see the same thing here yeah. at GSA. It's pretty it's kind of weird when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It, like, I mean, with us too, like we have people listening in countries mm-hmm. everywhere except Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> All over the world. We and still it, hope that in one of those countries, there's a billboard with our faces on it. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someday we'll, yeah, someday get, we'll get off a plane in some uh, random country and we'll just be celebrities without even knowing it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll get. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're G list celebrities, right? Yeah. We're yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of our, uh, digress for a minute. One of our board members is a woman named Abigail Carroll. Um, who founded None Such Oysters in Scarborough, Maine. Super smart. Uh, you know, went to Columbia, founded, you guys yeah. may know the story. Um, she invested in us and is also a board member. But um, she's also gotten a lot of press in Maine as sort of this woman oyster farmer and whatnot. And she said they somehow decided to put a picture of her on a billboard at the Bangor Airport. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she had a friend who was going through the Bangor Airport. Like, do you know that you're you know, more than life size <laughs> as you get off the plane? <laughs> That's so funny. She's like, do I have to drive to Bangor now to go? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No discounts on flights or anything? <laughs> no, no. And I think it was even after you, know, you went through check, the security check. So she had to, like, get a ticket to get in there yeah. to go oh see your picture. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Oh, geez. So I'm curious, since you switched over from Oyster Tracker to Blue Trace, what is kind of the ratio for other species? What are some of the most popular species? Obviously, I'm sure yeah. the majority of your clients are oyster farmers still. Yeah. But when we're looking at other species such as mm. mussels or clams or gooey yeah. ducks or whatever, what are we looking at for those ratios and, and locations? Yeah. So probably 80% um, is still oysters. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of our oyster farmers you know, experiment with other species. So I was just down in Hampton, uh, New Hampshire here today uh, with one of our farms. And, you know, they're 90% oysters, 95% oysters, but they have a little clam operation. They're trying that out. They're trying some scallops. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to use this for those things as well. And that's a, not an uncommon scenario. I wonder if the equipment that you use can be multi-purposed or if, yeah. I mean, I should know this. I mean, yeah. we've seen farmed, I mean, especially in Maine, you know, the well, we're in Ireland, we did a film, GAA film in Ireland, which I think we can send, I don't, I'm hoping that we can link to it in the show mm-hmm. notes, but there were, they were mussels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, it was On the hard, southern coast of Ireland. Yeah. So I, hardy, just, I think you did Hardy Oysters. I think you did Joe yes. Hardy, yep. um, who is an amazing guy. You should definitely go visit this. Uh, is he a client? He, um, right now, not because uh, they've had some other shoes, but he has been in the past. Um, cool. um, and just, you know, I went over there, actually stayed with him. There's nothing like a business meeting at 4 a.m. on a muddy, wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's probably dark. Wake up. Time to get up. up. In the morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, they do, do amazing stuff. So I, I guess I wonder if it's easy to repurpose your equipment to grow d- different species. So if you could use the same equipment for mussels that you could for clams or... Uh, depends or, on yeah. the life cycle of the species yeah. and everything. I yeah. guess, yeah. 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 Like I mean, mussels it, are, you know, they're attaching onto rope lines and, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to settle much differently than clams which you know dig in the sand so in oysters i know this isn't the topic of this episode but what's the grow out cycle for an oyster how long is it ready to harvest 
so it, uh, you know, so to answer your first question, you can occasionally do uh, different species, yeah. um, but most of the time you have to have unique Something. equipment for that species. Yep. Um, and then the grow-out cycle of oysters, um, there are two um, uh, types of oysters grown primarily in the U.S. On the East Coast, it's Virginica. On the West Coast, it's Pacific or Agigas. The grow-out cycle tends to be very similar in both. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens with oysters is above 50 degrees and there's food in the water, they grow pretty fast. As soon as it gets below about 50 degrees, they essentially go into hibernation. So what that means is if you're in the Gulf Coast of Florida, you can grow a oyster from six millimeters to three inches in about 10 months. Mm. Um, if you're in Prince Edward Island, Canada, it may take you five years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, that's... Um, and there's a lot of breeding programs going on now to figure out how to make that shorter and better mm-hmm. and how to have a better cup and all sorts of different yeah. things going on with breeding. Same way chickens got a whole lot better than they used to be. Look for shellfish, particularly oysters, but other species as well to get uh, a whole lot better over the next 10 years. That is interesting. I Mm -hmm. I wonder what the, and again, I'm going off track here, but the market price for something, depending on where it's geographically located, if that plays a role. And, you know, if you are in waters that are colder and your grow out is, Mm -hmm. is twice as long as somewhere where it's warmer, if that changes the price per oyster or not yeah i mean it, it certainly changes your cost you know so every region has its benefits and its drawbacks yeah the northern oysters from you know maine new hampshire and further north tend to get a better price they just have a slightly better brand um most would argue including myself being from maine that they maybe taste better um <laughs> but I, you know i'm not going to say that too well yeah. um, because there are amazing oysters all over the place but yeah right and it's and, a marketing machine right like, yeah you know something about new england seafood mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it it works very well. Yeah, it's very marketable. And so, you know, if you look at sort of the wholesale, the farm gate price for uh, an oyster in uh, New England, yeah, they might get uh, 50 cents to 65 cents on average. Um, If they're selling to a distributor, they'll get more if they're going directly to a restaurant. If you go down to the Chesapeake, um, which tends to be much faster growing, you know, Virginia and uh, Maryland are probably the biggest uh, operations on the East Coast. They are, uh, you know, they'll get much no, lower, be you know, 40 cents to 60 cents, um, sometimes even lower than that. Yeah. And then Florida, bizarrely enough, is actually um, on the Gulf Coast done quite well in, their, in terms of their pricing. Um, and part of that is just their population centers are there. And they figured out how to grow a really good oyster down there. Yeah. Um, their challenge is hurricanes. So every right. few years, um, you get everything wiped out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that's, you know, you know, you can grow them in a year, but every five years you lose everything. Yeah, uh, and so that's those are your challenges, pros and cons of the locations. Like yeah, you said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. That's fascinating. So, what is kind of on the horizons for Blue Trace? What are we looking at in the future? Are you <laughs> so, looking to expand into other like finfish or crustaceans, or are you looking to just kind of? grow outwardly for more global clientele like what is what what are, what do you think is is in the future for it great things let's start there <laughs> so um so number one will be uh doubling down on what we're currently doing um there are a lot of pieces of paperwork that everybody has to do up and down the chain whether it's bills of lading whether it's invoicing um you know transaction slips there's a whole bunch of pieces of paperwork that are beyond the tag Yep. that are stuff that we need to do. And so, and part of that will be things like integrating with QuickBooks and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then species expansion, we're already starting to see that 
you know, our system is built flexibly enough that you can basically put any species in it you want. Yep. So we have distributors in Maine who are using it for lobster. Oh. We have distributors on the Boston Fish Bureau who are using us for fish. Um, so wild caught. Wild so, caught. So yeah, uh, so it's versatile. It's, it's not versatile. just for farmers. Yeah. Know. So we basically built a versatile system. That's awesome. Um, uh, so those are probably our biggest expansion points right now, which is sticking mostly the North American market because yeah. we know the regulations here. We right, know, right. You know, it's We know what has to happen here. Yeah, that's difficult with expansion. All of the regulations are so location-based. Just in yeah. the U.S., let alone right. in different like, yeah. countries. State-wise, even, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, in Washington State, if you harvest an oyster, you have to write down the water temperature and the temperature of the animal at harvest. Wow. That's the only state where you have to do that. Wow. But in Virginia, you have to write down the time you harvested it and the time you landed it. Uh, oh and, in, and in Florida, you got to make sure that you've harvested it by 9 a.m. because after 9 a.m. it's too hot. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so mm-hmm. every state has its own bit, slight variations on these regulations. Wow. That's crazy. But uh, the, probably the meat of, mm-hmm. no pun intended, yeah. is uh, similar enough where y- your developers can really yeah don't have to do too much major tweaking to build something that is u- almost universal for at least everything in North yeah, America. That, that's key is uh, making it universal. Yep. Um, and, you know, one of the other things is we've started with the phone um, as the primary interface. Most computer programmers start, or at least historically, have started with the computer, right? right? Desktop computer, big screen, I'm used to doing CD-ROMs. Yeah, CD-ROMs. <laughs> <laughs> um, cathode ray tubes, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> um, you know, Every one of our farmers, every grumpy farmer has a, you know, supercomputer in their pocket Mm -hmm. and they're on it all day long. They're texting with their buyers, they're texting with their employees, you know, and so we're just fitting naturally into that workflow. Streaming Netflix out on the boat. Exactly. (laughs) I'm waiting for this damn tumbling to get bun. I better go (laughs) watch Squid Game. (laughs) I just finished Squid Game. That was really good. Uh, I did yeah. too. I, I watched uh, two episodes last night while rocking a baby in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. <laughs> You're going to love it, Sean. I'm yeah. like, I think I just finished episode five. Uh, so I'm getting there. Yeah. Getting there. It is It is sort of a devastating show. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. The yeah. end it's, is. There's a lot of emotions. No spoilers though. Yeah. No. I'm not, I haven't yeah. finished it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, streaming Squid Game out on the boat. Yeah. Streaming Squid Game out on the boat. Um, and just, you know, when you're a software developer, what you need to do is you need to go spend a lot of time with your uh, target user mm-hmm. and really understand what the heck they're going through. Because, you know, I can sit up in my tower and, you know, write a whole dissertation on why I think the seafood industry should be different and what it should do. And it. But you go out and you walk around in the mud with these guys, literally, yeah. <laughs> or you sit on a loading dock yeah. um, and you watch what actually happens. You know, no, three weeks ago, I was down in New York. We have a client who buys a lot of stuff from Fulton Street Fish Market, which would be an amazing episode for you guys if you've ever been there. Uh, it's the second largest seafood market in the world beyond Tokyo. Oh, wow. It, oh, is, wow. it is literally city blocks up in the Bronx. Jeez. Um, and it opens at, I think, 3 a.m. And it closes at like 7.30 a.m. Oh. Uh, and uh, during that time, millions of dollars of seafood is changing hands. We're going to send yeah. Justin to go do that one. <laughs> I, I, I would go. I'll be yeah. sleeping. No, actually, I would totally. I would totally. It, it, is, it is the most fascinating thing. And you walk in there and they're like, you know, stall after stall, seafood from all over the world. That's cool. And then there are all these folks from restaurants, from yeah. distributors there to buy that seafood. 
and they walk up and down and it is, you know, like an old style pit trading platform for stocks. You right. know, it is that, all right, what do you got here? What do you have over here? And these guys have been doing it for generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy we were with, um, he said his father used to go to the Fulton Street Fish Market when he was a kid. So he would go with his father when he was six years old. <laughs> now he's, you know, probably 40 um, and still wow. going every morning wow. to the Fulton Street Fish Market. Wow. That's crazy. And it's just this incredible world to watch what's going on. And you wouldn't know unless you go there. Yeah. You don't, you don't really, you can't describe it. I, I can only imagine like what yeah. that's like. Oh yeah, my head is, I've, yeah. this whole time I've envisioned a lot of what I think it looks like, but until you're probably really there and yeah. see the sights and the smells. Exactly. <laughs> and everything, you know, and it, it's just amazing to watch. It's a whole community that basically their day is done at eight o'clock in the morning yep. and that's then they're insane. off to whatever else they're doing. Wow. Um, but it, you realize like how hard it is to get whatever seafood it is from that yeah, fishing boat to your table. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, there's the occasional one that can do farm to table or boat to table and do a really great job at that. But the yeah. vast majority of our seafood goes through these very complicated supply chains mm-hmm. and figuring out you guys are central to that. It's sort of making sure that a lot of that is safe, um, that mm-hmm. it's doing all the right yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but you just watch what actually happens in real life. And you realize, you know, how hard these guys work and honestly, how undigital this world is. Mm. And this yeah, is why that's, things like that's the a hard thing in this, in this industry is it, it, like we were saying, they're mm-hmm. very open to innovative technology, but there's this old school mentality of like, this is how it's always worked. This is what mm-hmm. we're going to keep doing. And yeah. those two sides kind of butt heads sometimes. Yeah. And many of these are family owned businesses that have been two, three, four generations um, that have worked well for granddad. It's going to work well for me. I don't need to think about that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And (laughs) quite honestly, they're they're not wrong. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, If you can get away without uh, changing something, I mean, I was at a huge distributor in Philadelphia, again, 4 (laughs) a.m., watching, (laughs) you know, 18 tractor trailer loads of seafood show up one morning. Uh, and you know, there it was like Samuel Seafood, was it? It was, yeah. Uh, we've we've traveled there, we had a day where we traveled there, yeah, in the morning, recorded an episode, and came back, yeah, (laughs) same day. And it's, you know, it's amazing. You watch that, you know, the number of forklifts like flying around this floor, it's an impressive facility, yeah, it's unbelievable. And uh, but you watch how all those boxes are labeled. I don't know if you watch this, I'm I'm all about labeling these days, (laughs) 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 which is not really, you know, super high priority for us checking out the labeling, but definitely part of what they do um, and you know so i you know i saw this huge pallet of squid come in and the only label on these you know uh brown cardboard boxes is uh sql sqm medium squid or large squid oh, wow. <laughs> wow and you're supposed to know that each of these boxes weigh 60 pounds yeah oh, and you're supposed to know who it came from uh, yeah. and these guys all do and they do an amazing yeah. job at yeah. it yeah, yeah. but it's kind of like a game that they have to play <laughs> Like a squid, Memory like a squid game. <laughs> it is a little bit of a squid game. And yeah, yeah and part of it's back to this si- silly adhesive thing is like, you know, they, they have trouble getting adhesive that sticks to these boxes. So they literally write it in crayon mm-hmm. on the side of the box. Yeah, we did notice that, that there was, everything was like handwritten and like marker on the side of the, we, I remember that. Uh-huh. And it just looked like convenience because it was like everything looked like, um, mm-hmm. like a dry erase marker yeah. just so you can change things up if you had to. But yeah, I guess- I didn't even think about that, that, well, you, everything's wet, so you can't get stuff to stick to it. <laughs> and it might get frozen along the way, yeah, and yeah. unthought out, and then, you know, then things fly off. Interesting. Uh, but, yeah, um, but you watch these systems, and you see what, you know, the amazing thing that, you know, something comes from that farm on the Damascata to that, you know, restaurant in Atlanta. And, you know, 99.999% of the time, 
everything works. Yeah. And uh, it's probably gone through five different companies and, you know, 30 different people and, you know, just to get there so you can have an oyster on your plate. Yeah. Worth it. But if we get back to what you were talking about, really, it's not just sitting up in in a room and trying to come up with this innovative technology that's going to change the way maybe that we all, there's like a, an outcome, right? But you saw firsthand, like, what is it that these fishermen are already using and how can you just enhance that without saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I want you to totally change what you're doing so that you can have this yeah. extra feature. It's yeah. mm. continue doing the great work you're doing. And we're going to give you something that's going to make it even easier. And it's not going to change that yeah. much of your daily work. Exactly. Yeah, instead of right, taking all this time to write out these labels, punch in your information in this, print it out. It'll save you hours of work. It'll make things easier. It'll make things less stressful for you. And that's all that people want. Really. They want exactly. things to be easier. I mean, you so talk about it as, you know, one of the ways you talk about it in software is what's the job they're trying to accomplish? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you figure out what the tool that makes that for that job. Work yourself so backwards. Work from there. Mm -hmm. You know, because I hear it all the time. I, you know, talk to, you know, I get investors that call up and whatnot and I'll say, what's your IoT strategy or how are you using blockchain or <laughs> all the, you know, AI? Where does AI fit in this? I'm like, we're just going to start with making their lives better. Yeah. <laughs> and we can add those pieces on if they make sense over yeah. time. Start like, with the client. Start uh, with the people that are going to pay you. Yeah. Start with the, the client and say, you know, um, yeah, we could, you, you could imagine a, you know, remote, uh, you know, thermostat uh, or, you know, temperature gauge that has dissolved oxygen and humidity and all the other pieces that you'd want that connects to your phone and it automatically updates all the time. And we'll probably do that at some point, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. that's not what people are asking for right now. Yeah, no, mm. um, that's you know. the next thing. Eliminating the clipboard is the next step. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can get them out of the handwriting thing, because yeah. you know the problem they face is like we had a guy down in uh, the Cape who said, you know, I hired this guy to write tags, and he writes tags, um, and he forgets to put the harvest location on the tag. Truck mm. gets stopped. Five thousand dollars product has to be thrown out, and. Because Oof. one guy forgot to put the harvest location Oof. on a tag, and a guy was making probably minimum wage, <sighs> trying to get so, through it as fast as he could. Yeah, trying to get you know, yeah. no truck leaves in fifteen minutes. You got to write out the hundred tags. Yeah, I'm sure he went flying through. Mm. Uh, and there's where technology that has those. You cannot print a tag unless you filled out X, Y, and Z. Yeah, exactly. Almost. Right, so, mm -hmm. required fields. Yeah. yeah. That Those have awesome. saved me a lot. <laughs> it's like, exactly. you don't submit. You forgot your yeah. your CVV code for your credit card. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, or the yeah. you know the classic, you know, you said attachment in this email, but there's no attachment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's one of the best inventions ever because yeah, I chronically one. forget to attach things. I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and meeting locations on, uh, yes. on calendars. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if people want to get in contact with you, work with Blue Trace, what is the best way for them to do that? Go to our website, blue-trace.com. Oyster Tracker will still work as well, but uh, blue-trace.com. Also, put, we can put my phone number in the uh, the show notes. Yeah, any information sure. that you want in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You can email me directly at chip at blue-trace.com. C-H-I-P. I love to talk to people. That's what I do. I drive around and I talk to people. Awesome. Well, that's what you're doing today. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to us. Uh, and it, was, it was great. I was able to align this, a meeting with a regulator in New Hampshire and yeah. another farm. In now New you Hampshire. can go into downtown Portsmouth and get some amazing oysters. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Before you head back up to Maine. Uh, it was, yeah, I showed up. I went to Canada last week. I came back. I, I, you know, hero in my house right now because I was able to show up with 100 New Brunswick oysters. There you go. Uh, <laughs> they were really Well, good. I'll say this. Chip did not show up 
to GSA with any oysters today. <laughs> I totally but failed. That's okay. <laughs> it wasn't in the required notes. That's okay. We didn't talk about that ahead of time. So, <laughs> next time. Yeah, next yes, time. next time. What are you doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Chip is going to be on the next episode as well. <laughs> the next time, yeah. Anything else that you want to get out there, kind of why you have the platform, why you have the mic? No, I mean, you know, the one thing that people usually the first question everybody asks is what's the price point? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a small farmer who's just starting, you know, it's 500 bucks. Uh, and that's the printer, that's the paper, that's the software. And one of the key things we do is we don't do a monthly fee, uh, at least for our farmers. Um, what we do is it's a per tag price um, and we bake it into the replenishment of paper. So you're going to pay about the same as you're paying for your paper today, but uh, you get the software and a lot easier. Wow. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, we, we price this. Companies have different strategies. You can price it for the big guys and you can sell 10 clients a year at a million dollars, or you can price it for the small guys um, with the idea that you're going to get a lot more clients. We price it for the small guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the things that I think everybody should know is that's where we've headed and that's the sweet spot we look at. Awesome. That's great. Because this industry, the vast majority of this industry is small guys Mm -hmm. and gals. You can make a bigger difference. Especially Uh, in rural areas like Maine. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's our roots, you know, where you're coming from. Um, And we've got, you know, the farmers that we meet are amazing. So if you get down to you know Long Island, there's some amazing farmers down there. There's this woman, Sue Wicks. She was a WNBA player. She's much taller than I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and she farms at Violet Cove Oysters. She started an oyster farm after her career. Oh, cool. uh, and she uh, does an amazing oyster down there. Wow. That'd be a great guest. We'll have to see if we can connect with her. Yeah. Justin, Maddie, you guys have anything else? Thank you for driving all the way here. No problem. Spending some time with us. Uh, We appreciate you having, again, Chip Terry from (laughs) (laughs) blue-trace.com. Make sure we get it right. Um, Just search Blue Trace in Google. We'll show up. Yeah, yeah. And just go to the show notes. Uh, Click the link in the show notes and uh, make sure you check it out. I I really want to urge any of our Shellfish Farmer listeners to just check it out because I think it is something that could be really helpful. I think it's pretty cool. Um, And- Thank you for coming down and joining us, talking with us today. We really appreciate it. I thank you guys. And your, your podcast is awesome. Oh, uh, I do you. listen to pretty much everyone. Oh, thank you for being oh, a listener. that's awesome. We really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. We love it. Folks, that was our conversation with Chip Terry from Blue Trace. As always, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope you learned something. And I want to remind everybody to make sure that if you're not yet, that you are subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get those brand new episodes directly downloaded onto your device as soon as they're available. Check us out on Twitter and give us a follow. You can find us at AquademiaPod. Want to contact us? A few ways you can do that. Send us an email, podcast at globalseafood.org or visit globalseafood.org. Go to the top of the homepage. You'll see Aquademia. Click on that and there'll be a contact us form. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us a rating and review on whichever platform you listen to us on. And now's a good time to do it because Maddie's back and you're not angry anymore. Yeah, I'm nice. <laughs> no, not you. I mean the listeners. We're probably oh, ang- they, they were probably angry that you weren't here. So oh, okay. You're so, always nice. So now's a good time to leave a rating and review because she's back and you don't need Better to worry than about ever. that anymore. That's right. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.